1: Hello and welcome to episode 56 of the Uncovered Podcast. I'm your host, Faram
2: Kazi. You can find me at Def Mango on Twitter. And with me, as always, is Jared Kimber. HCL Tech presents this show. They're about Dartner and partnerships. Plus, they love cricket. So here they are. So, Jared, Afghanistan have defeated Sri Lanka comprehensively in
1: Pune by seven wickets. They've won back-to-back World Cup games. And they now have three wins out of six. And look, this squad is littered. Not littered, but it has a couple of really, really good cricketers, right? Some superstars in Rashid Khan, Rehmanullah Gurbaz, Mujib, Nabi. These guys have been around. They have IPL experience. They've Mm -hmm. played top quality cricket, right? But tonight it was Rehmat Shah who scored a 50 and then Azmatullah and Hashmatullah, they were unbeaten with half centuries till the end. And earlier in the game, Fazil Hakparuqi took four wickets, right? So how amazing is it for Afghanistan that all of their squad players more or less are turning up when the occasion is as big, big as it can possibly get. And they've contributed to all three of their victories, which have been convincing. They haven't mm-hmm. just been, you know, great escapes. They've been solid
2: victories. I don't think, I I don't know, I don't have it in front of me, but I don't think any of their players, batters have scored over 250 runs and any of their bowls have more than 10 wickets. Does that sound yeah, right, I think, as I say it out loud? I think it's right. Unless, unless yeah. someone went past one of those marks uh, during the game and I missed it today. But um, that is exceptional. It's a little bit terrifying, because if I was working as an analyst for them, I'd be like, kind of want two guys to have 350 runs at this stage and i like one of my bowls to have you know 11 12 wickets um but it means everyone's chipping in it's like the anti-england or the anti-bangladesh right where you're just like do they have a player in form or you're just like well no <laughs> afghanistan don't have anyone who is lighting this world cup on fire they're not winning because rashid is taking wickets then they're not uh winning because Gobars is you know running uh you know running right up the top or anything like that, literally, like today, they were probably going to be a batter down uh, when their wiki keeper got, got his injury. Hmm. We assume. We don't know if he's going to come in. But, um, and even then, you're like, yeah, but they've probably got enough people to chip in now. And that's a huge change, right? And, and his batting saved them in one of those wins. Um, no, look, it's excellent. Uh, the way that they might be ideally set up to be the sort of team that, can chase those middle scores in a way mm. that Bangladesh maybe was like that back in, 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 in a similar, similar period for them where you're just like, yeah, because, you know, if you're, if you're South Africa, obviously, um, <laughs> you have other issues when it comes to chasing. But if you're Afghanistan, you don't really have those kinds of worries. you just like, they must have known for generations they never had any good batting, right? Or, or interna- top-level international quality batting is what they never had. It would be hard pressed now to say that they don't have that Gavaz is a proper talent, as you said, then they 've got what four other guys, maybe even five other guys who you just like if if those guys all average between thirty five and forty five maybe slightly show sort of strike rates for some of them, mm. that seems perfectly reasonable and, and you know would would certainly help them so it's um it's an exciting time for them, and yet in some ways um it's their least exciting time if that makes sense yeah I, I suppose so because.
1: The way they're playing like composed cricket, it is mm. rather new. And, uh, like you mentioned, of course, Gulba's is there, but I think Ibrahim Razadaran is really, really talented. We've spoken yeah. about him on previous uncovered podcasts. And then Rehmat Shah had a strike rate issue, did not seem to have one today. And then also, you know, Hashmat, he's consistently gotten runs and he's their skipper. He's playing with responsibility. The triple, As- triple
2: Matt. We need a Nick because they've all got Matt in their name. I think that needs to be <laughs> a, a thing. I think eventually they need to change the order slightly because I'd like it if they had the triple Matt. From four, five, and six, <laughs> just from an aesthetic point of view, but yeah, no, you're right. I mean, there's, there's so that's what I mean. You know, I mean, it, um, Ikram's played one innings, uh, mm-hmm. started outside of this World Cup squad. I've been raving about him for four years. Like <laughs> when we're talking about probably Gabbar's as the one difference maker when it comes to strike rate, and then maybe a bunch of shy hopes. But to be honest, mm. West Indies would take a bunch of shy hopes right now. At least they know they're going to score 250 to 300
1: a lot. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, Azmatullah Omar, actually, he had a successful stint with Peshawar Zalmi in the PSL as well. So I had my eyes on him. He's been really impressive. And pace bowling all-rounders, you know, they're akin to gold dust. So if Afghanistan can develop him into a good one, that would be great for them. Jonathan Trott, I read a headline today that he's taken the scenic route to coaching, which I mm. think was quite funny and uh, yeah they should probably build a statue for him in Kabul at this point and then also Ajay Jadeja apparently and I was reading a tweet by someone that you know he's been hired specifically to talk to the Afghan batters about the mental side of things right so how important do you think contributions by both these two men have
2: uh, how, how important have they been for Afghanistan well the way they're batting you would have to give them credit I think if you look between the cycles there were trends that they were going in this direction anyway so I think the chases and the way they chased, we, we will give credit to the two coaches. I think the overall lift in batting you have to give to um, all of Af- Afghanistan cricket and finding a bunch of these players at one time. Mm-hmm. The Trotty, I mean, I've known him pretty well kind of saw, towards the back end of his career, worked with us at Cricket Info. Mm-hmm. He's obviously very close with George Dobell. And, you know, we, me and Trotty have a weird relationship. Do you, do you want the weirdest Jonathan Trott story that yeah, I have? so does it involve Mitchell Johnson? It does not. No, so this mm-hmm. is okay, okay. I'm interested. <laughs> so I used to be a comedy folk singer. Did you know that?
1: Mm, I did not know that. There's, there's I fact. knew about your parking car story and yeah. you know, you injuring your hand and then also your leg spin story, but no, this one I don't know. So
2: I I, I um I was a comedy folk singer and I was getting, I mean, serious. It was obviously it was a mm-hmm. bit, but um, I had a big MySpace page and everything. And we made one video that was kind of very cool that we were very mm. happy with and then after that we got other work and then cricket kept, got in the way a little bit so I never went back to it but Jonathan Trott once watched one of those music videos in oh, front wow. of me and it, all, <laughs> it was just trott like this <laughs> and then occasionally looking back at me and then I was it's one of, look so yeah i think is a proper cricket guy and he's a, it's properly in his head um He's got an incredible work ethic. Like, a lot of people don't get into coaching because coaching's hard, right? Mm. Like it it is. Um, I remember Gareth Batty saying to me that his days were longer as a coach than as a player. And he said it, it doesn't take quite the physical strain on you, although it can. Mm. Um, Trotty's not avert, you know, averse to any of that, right? It's mm. it's it's within him. Um, can he and any batting consultant, you know, because they might go through a few different batting coaches, but can they get to the point where they can also match that with a slightly higher strike rate or, you know, mm. upskilling them a little bit. Um, That's, that's the, that at that stage, they're a very, very interesting team, but this is fantastic. As I said, I don't think they've bowled as well as they can. Mm. Um, and I don't think all their batters have had good tournaments, even if as a batting unit, I think they've had a very good tournament. So there should be room for growth within what we've seen. Yeah, no, there's definitely room for growth. And, uh, yeah, I mean, interesting
1: story over there. Of course, we have some uh, people in the comments: Amar, Ijaz, Darshan, Nehal Patel. Hello to all of you guys as well. And if you are watching, go and look for this video. Find this <laughs> video of Jared singing. Uh, and yeah, we'll make it famous or something. And we'll probably have a podcast to just have him sing for us. But <laughs> more important question, Jared: um, three wins, six games,
2: three to go. Outside mm. chance of making the semis or not? Nah? The Bangladesh game is going to haunt them. I think. I think mm. they're probably going to fall a one short. So I just did the power list. I think they are a chance of winning two games. But if you told me they lost all three from here on in, I'd also be like, mm. I could see that as well. Um, ne- probably for them, the worst thing that's happened is Netherlands have also got their confidence right at the moment. Yeah. So, uh, I think they should fin- I think they should be saying, if I was Jonathan Trott, I'd be saying, look, we should finish with four wins minimum, right? So four wins minimum. We could do that. Let's go for six let's just yep. throw it all on the table and see against australia just pick every spinner you know make everyone bowl spin and then against south africa hope the toss goes your way and they <laughs> certainly have the bowling attack to they have they can put more pressure on south africa than pakistan did for sure oh no absolutely i mean you and, and I, I could see. put more pressure on the pakistan <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> for sure absolutely but i think um, you know the fact that they've defeated england and pakistan and sri lanka You know, all of them are former champions. They've lifted this trophy and that will elevate Afghanistan's hopes as well that they could probably beat at least one of South Africa and Australia and then hope to beat the Netherlands as well, even though I think that might be a tight game. But um, let's go to Sri Lanka now. Let's talk about them a bit. You know, they might have lost tonight, but they did defeat England not too long ago. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, this last week. And Patam Nisanka and Sadira Samra Vikrama have scored consistent runs for them. Dilshan Madhushanka has been a bit of a revelation with the ball, really. He's silently had a great World Cup. And Angelo Matthews is back. And uh, he came and took wickets up front versus England. He took two wickets and then also forced a run out and yeah is it a bit comical the whole Matthew situation are you a bit surprised that he's here taking wickets at the World Cup
2: Oh, I mean he should be surprised he's taking wickets (laughs) at the World Cup Um, (laughs) everyone in the world who knows who he is should be surprised Um, so Estelle um, who's joining our network very soon but Mm -hmm. Estelle um, uh, did the maths for me and I think it was the second game their average age was 26 and Hmm. uh, they've managed to move that up over 5 games to 29 um, which is quite the <laughs> jump, really. Yeah. she was like, "It's not that much." I was like, "Estelle, that's huge! That's three years <laughs> per person, right?" Um, that's true. You know, Karuna Ratna was in the side. I was like, "I'd, I'd forgotten he was over there." Because they tried mm. everyone else at that point. Um, I, I
1: honestly did not understand why they played him today. Like, might as well just go with Gusal Pereira, even if he doesn't get runs. If he
2: does click, he could potentially win you the game. Look, uh, the one thing I would say is that I think. I set up that they lost their first two games that they should use this as experience for the world T20 in um USA and, and West Indies. And I didn't talk to anyone in Sri Lanka Cricket about, about that and what they were thinking. But I think they were thinking oh, all we need is a is a bit of a messy round robin stage and we can still get through. And I, I think they've been vindicated from that by that. Um however, they just played a 29, the average age of 29. That's a very that's a peak, that's a team in peak, mm-hmm. right? And they yeah. got beat by Afghanistan and they weren't really in the game after that was whenever Mendes went out. I can't remember when that was, but 24th over. 28th it was over.
1: a double strike by Mujib that really, you know, got them.
2: Yeah, so Mendes tries to play the big slog sweep. He gets caught fine and then they just fucking gave up. after <laughs> They just didn't make any runs. Yeah. Other than Gabbar's wicket and maybe there's a little p- there was a little spell, maybe Chimera might have bowled it, but they looked okay. Yeah. They never Raja really... The bowled looked... decently as well. Was and it, uh, it might have actually been yeah. Raja. I was thinking about. I can't remember. It was one of the se- right arm seamers bowled a really a good little micro spell. And I thought, oh, maybe they get a wicket here. But the point is, like, they've played an experienced team here and Afghanistan mm-hmm. have absolutely slapped the ass off them, right? So yeah. um, that's, that's a horrible sign for Sri Lankan cricket. As you said, they won a game not that long ago. I thought, looking at their schedule, they would do okay in the middle and they would struggle at the beginning and the end. I still kind of feel that way. Yeah. I mean,
1: uh, had they won today, you know, they could have dreamed to make the semis at least. Mm-hmm. But now I think that dream is pretty much over. And uh, Champions Trophy qualification also might come in the mix. But we'll get to all of that fun stuff after a break because there's lots to discuss. You're watching Uncovered with Jared and Behram, And yeah, see you after the short break.
2: Brought to you by Wicket Cricket Manager. Own, control, strategize, play, compete, win and lose on Wicket Cricket Manager. Hello and welcome back to episode
1: 56 of Uncovered with Jared and Bear Arm. And just before we get into, you know, more discourse, Ijaz Ali is over here and so is Ritwik Tiwari. You guys have got some questions, but we've got a lot to discuss. So if you really want your question answered, send a super chat and we will be sure to take it. All right, Jared, we were talking about how ODI Cricket is on the back burner. And the Champions Trophy, which is scheduled for 2025, well, the ICC have, have announced that the top seven teams plus Pakistan from this World Cup will qualify. And all of a sudden now, the likes of England and Sri Lanka and Bangladesh are probably having some sleepless nights.
2: It's just ridiculous that we're suddenly <laughs> in the middle of the tournament and they would announce that. I've probably told this story before, but when we did Death of a Gentleman and they had... I think they had three media staff the icc <laughs> billion dollar organization three media stuff and um one was doing like maybe the under 19 world cup another one was at a family bereavement and um, was back home in pakistan and mm-hmm. the only person who was actually working was um Usman samia din's wife who i think might have just like been a temporary person and she had to do <laughs> the big three takeover press conference uh-huh. right and so I understand they don't have a lot of staff if things go wrong. How the hell would they wait until this tournament happened? And also, <laughs> like, it just seems like it's so bizarre that they're about to have a meeting about the future of ODI cricket. And yet they've already decided that the Champions Trophy is going ahead and they've already decided what the format is. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't that be at the meeting they are about to have, if that is the case? It's just, I don't know what to do with this, Bayram. I don't know what to do with the, <laughs> the information here. And also, <laughs> let's say you come to a World Cup. And let's let's imagine England uh, being bad now because they're all injured. Not the case. I know they've had a couple Mm. of injuries, but it's not the case. But let's say they came to this World Cup and they just kept getting injuries. Maybe they got injuries on the day. And so a bit like New Zealand, they could only pick three bowlers or whatever. You know, Mm. they're making Sam Curran bad at four, right? Um, And then halfway through the tournament, they were suddenly told, oh, by the way, (laughs) the next tournament you may not go to because of how bad you're being in this one. Like... It's just, it's pathetic in a sport of this size to be so stupid so consistently. And yet we manage it, mate. We manage it. Yeah. I mean, it is really startling,
1: you know. It's still a premier competition. And, you know, there is some history associated with the Champions Trophy. And, you know, I thought they might even scrap it or might make it T20. But they've announced mid-tournament that, hey, these are the teams that will qualify. And all of a sudden, things are looking bleak for, you know, a team like England who, you know, won the moral ashes. We've got to give them that. Big year for them. And then, um, yeah, I mean, now they're on the cusp of losing out on a spot in one of the major tournaments
2: where they have you, created the game. What do you think that... that I don't mind them losing out because hmm. that's fine, but they should have known beforehand if they were going hmm. to lose out. But w- what do you think... It, there are some countries this is would really bother them. But I wonder hmm. if it's going to make even much of a big deal. Uh, like I really, I'd be interested to know if England do end up as a ninth team. And how the England media handle it and everything else because you know if this was Pakistan or Sri Lanka or India um, Australia you know there are some countries that would be absolutely you know, Bangladesh they'd be furious yeah. right and Bangladesh might still be the furious one because they should for mm. the this tournament the way they're playing um, pretty much but, but you know I do wonder like what their reaction will be in England I, I can't even put a finger on it but you know I, I, I can put a finger
1: on it they're going to say that it's a useless format it's dying there's no point we've got yeah, to focus I on need, best cricket. I,
2: I need to talk about that. That's really interesting because I've said the exact same thing as a bunch of English journalists and mm. and people are suddenly like, oh, England, um, uh, look, now they're not doing well in ODI cricket. I'm like, wait a minute, me, KSR and you, <laughs> so there's an Indian, a Pakistani an Australian. Before the tournament, we're talking about this, right? Yeah. And the round robin thing, everyone was talking about that in 2019 about how it was a stupid format. And everyone's been mm. talking about bilateral ODIs suffering for... I don't know, It's 2012. Um, hmm. It's really interesting that the English press are getting attacked for having the same opinion as many people in many other presses around the world. But uh, you're right. They'll be seen as whingers, and maybe some of them will winch. I'm not, I'm not, I, I, hmm. I don't want to say they're not going to whinge. Um, <laughs> you know, might want to wait for them to start whinging. I don't think they've been whinging so far. I think they were saying that this tournament is, is badly designed. It is. Um, ODI cricket is struggling. It is. Uh, but yeah, no, no, you're right. Uh, you know, But again, it's your Champions Trophy. It wasn't always called the Champions Trophy. Uh, mm-hmm. It was cancelled twice. Twice I think it's been cancelled. Certainly I once it so. was completely cancelled. Mm-hmm. Um, I think India-Pakistan making the final in 2017 probably gave it... Uh, India winning it in 2013 and then um, India-Pakistan in the final in 2017 gave it a huge boost, right? Mm-hmm. But do you know what? Mate, no one has been commenting to me saying, "Oh, why didn't we have one in 2021?" And you know what's what's the future with the champion? No, and I get asked. I'm, I've been asked about fucking Sky's ODI record and Shadab Khan's <laughs> bowling forty times each, and no one has said to me. Whereas back in the in when I used to take the piss out of the Champions Trophy between 2010 and 2017 so many people i can't believe you're talking down about our favorite tournament and all this sort of stuff no one says that anymore and so it has i think the perception of it and the reaction to it has changed quite a bit yeah for
1: sure i mean i definitely don't miss it and pakistan is the defending champion so i still don't miss it i think the white coats are my only favorite fun part of that i really do like the white coats and the sight of logan van Beek and Bas Delayda uh, dancing in a white coat is, like, it's doing things to me, right? It happen. Who knows? But, uh, anyway, let's talk about England a bit more. You know, um, versus India, they look like they're back, even though they had a Howler versus Sri Lanka. David Willie got Kohli for a mm. duck and both Wokes and Willie, they took wickets up front. They both accounted for half of India's batting lineup. They took five wickets. Mark Wood and Adil Rashid looked good. And, uh, you know, if you look at the past two games, however, England, uh, none of their batters has crossed fifty, and for a team which, you know, made its bread and butter by scoring three hundred plus scores, when in the in the last two games, their scores combined don't
2: add up to three hundred, and that doesn't make for great reading. So, that's quite astonishing, no? I think they're losing a wicket every twenty-four balls, which means that um, they're basically not going to cross forty overs very often. As the mm. way that well, there are 50 50 chance at the moment of crossing, you know, if you're doing a betting line on them, actually make it to the yeah, but to the 41st over. Um, yeah, no, look, it's been horrendous. Uh, the bowling, it, it was interesting against India that when the ball started moving, they did look much better up top, and that is their strength, right? We, we talked mm. about that before this World Cup. Um, I think Chris works just bowled poorly, even when the ball's gone straight, like his lines and his lengths haven't been very good. And Sam Curran was all over the place, right? Yeah. Sam Curran had an absolute shock. I think he actually, he got away with good figures considering mm. how, well, how badly he bowled at times. Um, they're a bit unlucky with the top lifting as well, but the, the batting, I don't even know what to do with it. So, mm-hmm. so you look at again, their batting didn't collapse because they were slogging. Right. So Ben though is shot is the first one that is really like that. And to be honest, it was pretty clear what he was trying to do. He, eventually picked the wrong ball uh, but he tried it i think three times before um and he was doing it with good cricket thinking in mind right so i think quite often you know we're not talking about that they've been reckless and i went through all the balls before that game and it's like they Mm -hmm. haven't been that reckless i I, sorry everyone they just haven't um if anything they haven't committed completely to their shots i feel that's how i feel yeah, mm. um, I know, know that's how Josh Butler feels. I haven't talked to everyone. in. I, mean, I haven't talked to him, but he said it publicly. But I haven't talked to that many people in the England camp. But that's how I feel, that they've been half-hearted. Um, yeah. But it's incredible. If, if we stop this World Cup here and we press reset, we started from now, the exact same squads, there's no way we would guess that they would be in the position that we're in now again, right? Mm-hmm. Even knowing what we now know, we would still be yeah. like, no, they're still probably going to. Be at least a semi-final chance, if not a semi-finalist, right? Mm. It just doesn't make sense how, and, and you know, there's another team later that maybe is even worse. Than this, but it doesn't make sense how many of their players are out of form at the same time. But that's tournament cricket. Yeah, and uh, I mean, you're right when you say that. Even if we restart the World Cup, I'd probably
1: have England as maybe not a short shot semi-finalist, but maybe somewhere towards yes. five or six. Yeah. yeah, something like that for sure, because they're not that bad aside, but their results have just been devastatingly poor it's been a horror show for england and uh, yeah i'm keen to see whether or not they can make it to that champions trophy but anyway let's just uh, take some of our uh, comments um keshav huria is asking can afghanistan pull off a kenya 2003 we've already discussed that so you can maybe watch the recording afterwards Sandhya das is over here he's saying that there's a lot of uh, ricky ponting and adrian markram and uh Ali, jj fad nitish and aswat mohanti andy Nitish again. Oh, lots of you guys are over here. That's great. So follow this channel, subscribe to it, and also subscribe to Jared's other channel, which has uh, some of the video essays and other cool stuff, right? Let's talk about India, all right? Um, mm-hmm. Unbeaten in six games. And uh, in their worst game of the tournament, they went on to win by 100 runs. And uh, nearly another 100 for Rohit Sharma. Uh, sometime out in the middle for Sky as well, which I think is interesting. And then uh, only four Indian batters scored in double digits and none of them scored 100, yet they got to 230. And you've got to see that
2: at this point, they're looking quite invincible. See, I'm not sure I'd say they're invincible because, I mean, you're right, they've won that game easily. Again, it's a bit like, it's a bit like South Africa beating Pakistan in that chase where it's like, if they played mm-hmm. another team in this tournament, I don't think they win that chase. And I think if, if England's bowl be matched with, I don't know, functioning batting lineup at the moment, <laughs> India might have been in, in for a real game there, right? Despite the fact I really rate their bowling, it would have been a completely different game. I thought the New Zealand game was interesting too. Hmm. We have a, a little, and this might be two thousand and three, two thousand or two thousand and three Australia is a perfect example of. You look back and you're like, actually, Australia gave the opposition quite a few chances to beat them. They just kept getting over the line, and so that actually proves that they were a better side than everyone else, which is a very fair way to look back on that tournament uh they didn't lose a game in the next tournament i think either did they so yeah. um you know so or maybe maybe i can't even remember but just england in 2019 up until the semi finals they just lost to england in 2015 they were unbeaten no no i'm yeah. talking about 2003
0: 2007 oh, and then
2: oh, yeah um, two, i can't remember it but either, either way they went a long time without losing a game hmm. um if you look at india i thought that if new zealand had wangled out one earlier wicket that hmm. would have been a really fat, uh, um interesting game and if England had brought any batters to India, I thought that would have been a really interesting game. So I would say in some ways they look le- they look more visible than they did before. <laughs> but those are also two really good wins because I don't think they're at their best um, 100% for those two games. Uh, they had a really good side pushing them. They lost a bunch of wickets early on against England. They never quite recovered enough from that and then lost another bunch of wickets in the middle. Uh, and so that's kind of what you want. I was going to write... Uh, I ended up writing about Mohamed Shami, but I was really interested in the idea of that England game is probably exactly what India needed. Cause even if they lost it, it wouldn't mm-hmm. matter because England still weren't going to make the semifinals. Right. And India yeah. were, so it wasn't going to change anything from that perspective, but them not making runs and then having to see that their bowling actually works under high pressure was really helpful. Maybe it would have been better if it was against a slightly better batting lineup who could have actually put some pressure back onto them as well. But, um, but New Zealand put pressure on them. So no, from from that point of view, I think um, uh, I think India are good, but yeah, I get your invincible thing, but I, I think we saw I think we saw them struggle a little bit in the last couple of games, and that's exactly what you want. Yeah, no, for sure. I
1: think that there is a way to, to defeat India, but you probably have to get Kohli and Rohit early. I know that you know India has a stack lineup, but when you get those two big guys <laughs> up top. I feel like that might exert a lot of pressure. And uh, lots of more comments over here. S. Roy has joined us, as has Puneet, and Day Walker, as is Arvind. So, hello to all of you guys. I know you guys have lots of questions. us as well. So, send a super chat, and we'll take one on. Now, you mentioned India's bowling and how good they've been, right? They've been great. Bumrah uh, wreaked havoc, uh, havoc again with uh, three wickets. And then Kuldeep got two versus England, and he absolutely bamboozled Joss Butler. That's going to be like one of those framed moments. But uh, Muhammad Shami, he was the one who stole the show and he followed up his five-wicket haul versus New Zealand with a 4 versus England. And uh, that Ben Stokes dismissal, of course, the setup and everything. And no one's forgetting that one anytime soon. So he's basically
2: told Rohit and Rahul Dravid that you cannot drop me. Hmm except he did a very similar thing in 2019 and they did drop him. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think he's bowling better now than he did in 2019. Um, yeah, I, I, th- I think it probably makes sense to keep him in the side. At this stage, he's jumped Siraj, hasn't he? Uh, yeah. He's, he's looked better than Siraj. Uh, I know there's I, other guys on our team look, who love Siraj, but I'm not sure yeah. he's quite... He hasn't looked as good as Shami, let's be honest.
1: Yeah, and plus if Pandya's back, right, then someone has to go and Shami's not going for me.
2: Yeah. So, um, and you know, from that perspective, I, I think, um, if you've got, if you've got Boomerah, Shami, and cool Deep at nine, 10, 11, and you can bring, um, Hardik back in for, um, Sky. Am I missing? Oh, no, no. Then you can bring Hardik back in for Siraj, can't you?
1: Yeah. You can, have I got that right? Have I got my numbers right then? Harder yeah. back for Siraj, and maybe if Sky gets some more runs, he could replace
2: Ayer, and KL Rahul could go up at four. There's flexibility over here. So they've got plenty of options there um, if, if they want. Um, and they could keep Siraj in the side as well. That's the other option, of course, yeah. and then have that slightly weaker number eight. Yeah, someone someone mentioned qual- that in the comments, right? That
1: Shami oh. at eight, is it feasible? I, I think it's fine. I yeah. have no issues
2: with it. Um, someone, someone was trying to tell me that... um. Maharaj is a better number eight than Shadul Takur on the comments today. <laughs> I'm like, well, not in one day cricket. Um yeah, no. Uh, so no. Um uh, but yeah, I think I I, I think that's okay. Um Keshav Huria is saying I'm afraid they'll sit Siraj for Shardul. They might, you never know. <laughs> Yeah. Just to add some batting depth. I think they might. Yeah, yeah, I think they might just because what I said. But the other option is that you get Jadeja and Hardik to bowl your ten, their 10. But maybe they don't yeah. want that when Hardik comes back straight away. But I think three frontline bowlers without Siraj and Jadeja and Hardik means this Jadeja would then be listed to bat at eight, right? Hmm. Um yeah. and Hardik was bowling pretty good beforehand. It doesn't give them much um backup bowling, which is, you know, but then they've got Virat for that, right? Yeah, of course, of course. That's the seventh bowler. uh, Right arm fast.
1: But uh, I think uh, it's interesting because Hardik is injured and we don't know if he'll be able to bowl the same way when he comes back. Uh, We've got Babur, Rav, Apte in the comments who's asking what's happening with the PCB. I've got that. Just stay tuned. We'll talk about that later. And uh, yeah, all of you guys, thank you for all your questions. But we've got to talk about 10 teams and we have to do it at a certain time. So if you really want to ask a question, send us a super chat. At this point, I think we should probably take a break and yeah, we'll you'll catch us uh, after this break shortly you're watching Uncovered with Baram and Jared
2: this is brought to you by Wicket Cricket Manager buy sell and train with your team right on your phone Welcome back
1: to episode 56 of Uncovered. You're with Behram and Jared. All right, another team who was making waves in India is the Netherlands. And they got an absolute hammering at the hands of Australia. But then they defeated Bangladesh, courtesy of yet another fighting innings from their captain, Scott Edwards. They've made it a habit to recover after losing quick wickets, which I think is phenomenal. And then Paul Van Meekeren, you know, he was an Uber Eats driver four years ago and now he's taken a four wicket haul and won Netherlands a World Cup game so if I'm the Netherlands right now Jared I'm probably thinking hey there's an opportunity to qualify for a Champions Trophy right now
2: yeah they're probably too far back to think about the semi aren't they because yeah um, probably net run rate especially with the Australian game but yeah I think you're right I, again I think I think if you look at them compared to Afghanistan Afga- what Afghanistan's done is more replicable replicable hmm. Yeah, I think that's replicable. I mean. Yeah, I think that was the word I was trying to say. I'm not sure what oh. I said, but proper um, Twister. Yeah, but you know I do think that there's some issues there. I mean, there. I think it's their number two opener is averaging about the same as their number eleven at this stage, which is probably Van Meegeren. Yeah. And like, mm-hmm. be fair to Meeks, not sure that's his. I'm uh, <laughs> not sure that's his strong point. Um, they basically made runs out of the number three position and the number seven position, which is yeah a remarkable pattern. Um, Max
1: O'Dowd no probably spends more time
2: shampooing his hair than out there in the middle. At this yeah. Point. <laughs> he had two great World Cups. He was bound, bound to have one where he slipped back a little bit. Um, unfortunately for him, it's the really long one. So no one mm. remember the other two when he was good. Um, but yeah, I think if if... I think they're going to aim for four wins, right? Who are the next two games against? I know I looked that up earlier. They've remember? got one versus Afghanistan, which they have a decent-ish chance yeah. of
1: winning. If they can get power play wickets, they could catch them, you know, and the Netherlands it's, are really good. At power it's play
2: Afghanistan, and England, right? Yeah. So if they beat Afghanistan, they can cement the spot by beating England. If not, yeah. it might be a straight shootout between them, them and England in that last one.
1: Yeah. And uh,
2: Netherlands have defeated them what twice in T Twenty World Cups, so they've got that yeah, history behind them. I <laughs> should point out this will be the first time that Shubhro not involved, so yeah. Um, maybe the Netherlands want to bring him over just, to, mm. just to have him have him around. Um, look, if I was a bookie, it would that would be maybe the hardest game in this tournament. Let's say they beat Afghanistan, or even just go close against Afghanistan. Right, hmm. that would be the hardest game to come up with the odds of of like. Yeah. Because you you're like well it has to be England it has to be the massive favourite here, and then you sit in there going, but I could get absolutely burnt here, but well, it <laughs> it would be a fascinating one to see how the bookmakers end up with
1: that one. Yeah, no, absolutely. And before we move on from the Netherlands, I want to talk about how Pastor Leda has now conceded the most amount of runs in an ODI innings, surpassing Adam Zampa, who very recently got there, and uh, your hero.
2: Victorian legend Mick Lewis, how does that make you feel, Jared? Um, I feel sorry for Baz because Mick Lewis is a full-time bowler and Zampa is a full-time bowler. Uh, Rashid Khan, you know. like So I think Martin Snedden had the record forever. I'm
0: pretty sure Martin
2: Snedden's an all-rounder. And I feel a little bit more sad for the all-rounders. Um, I can't even remember back to Snedden, actually. Uh, I also I feel-, feel
1: sad for him because he took a couple of wickets which both Zampa and Mick Lewis did not.
2: Yeah, no, exactly. And I think that's the thing with Baz Delita is he does uh, always take wickets. Um I'm just having a look at Snedden he's pretty much a specialist yeah. bowler, so I feel less sorry for him. But do you yeah. know any other bowler who like Baz Delita varies
1: his length that much? It's either full or back of the length, and full then back of the length. It's quite a trend
2: at this point. Cameron Green. Mm. Does my fucking head in. If you're six foot <laughs> eight, just roll back of a length over and over again, and no one will ever be able to hit you. And he's like, "Oh no, I'll try the York. don't. You don't need to try yorker mate. You're six foot eight. You don't yeah. ever need to pitch the ball up." Um. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. No. I. Th- I think with Baz, look, th- the truth with Baz is that he's probably at his best fifth bowler in in a mm-hmm. good team. And realistically, you'd love to have him with, let's say, I don't know a young roll off. Um, I'm trying to think if they have anyone else coming through that's a bit like that. Um, But, you know, a player who can bowl um, mm-hmm. but is a batter, you'd love to have two of them in your top six and then Edwards is your number seven. And then you just use Baz the leader when you need to, when you don't. But essentially, because of the way they're they're lining up, Logan Van Beek is their top and tail bowler and Van Meekeren's bowling in the middle, which means that Baz has to bowl at the death and he's 23 and he's a batter, right? Like, which... Yeah. Um, uh, what's his name that played for Afghanistan Omazai um, he had to do the same thing and he's just like well they, they're the reason they've got the two worst economies in this World Cup it's because neither of them yeah. should be doing those jobs yeah yeah I think that's a very interesting
1: comparison actually Omazai and Bastaleda we've got Krishna Bhatia in the comments and he's asking how interesting Pakistan versus Bangladesh is going to be given that the two teams have both been bad we'll get to those two teams mm-hmm. we'll come to your question but right now I want to talk about Australia now. Travis Head is back and he scored a quick fire ton in his very first game. He's having an amazing year. Take that broken wrist out and he's been amazing, right? And David Warner, he scored back-to-back tons and then what, 81 off 65 versus New Zealand. So, he's back in form. Rode his luck a bit, of course. There were instances where he could have gotten out, that run out versus the Netherlands, that drop catch versus Pakistan, but he made the most of those opportunities and now he's one of the best batters in the tournament. And Glenn Maxwell, he broke Aidan Markram's record for fastest 100 ever in a World Cup, which was literally created at the start of this World Cup. And we worked on a piece together. Mm. And Maxwell was one of those names, right, that was mentioned in the piece. So I, I love that. And he's been bowling valuable overs as well. And yeah. he's a spin twin at this point with Adam Zampa, who after a terrible initial two games, you know, in the last four games, he's taken 15 wickets and is now the leading wicket taker at the World Cup amongst all bowlers, right? So... This is very on-brand for the Aussies, you know, poor start. And now all of a sudden they're looking like contenders.
2: Yes. I think, it's funny, my Australian family and friends were going nuts. And I said, Mm. look, I think they are kind of a fringe top four team. Mm. Maybe, you know, at that stage we didn't know how bad England were going to be. But I was like, I don't think they're that bad. And I think all these teams have flaws, but maybe the other teams are in slightly better form at the moment Mm. um, coming in. But then they had a better run um started playing better cricket and you know we've we've seen a couple of times in this tournament where if the schedule sort of suits you you look good they still don't, I just still don't think they can play spin if you look at the New Zealand game didn't they make all their runs in the first 10 overs and the last 10 overs and much. In, the, in the middle they struggled that's the same problem right but they're not yeah. horrible i would say this there are three batters i mean i don't if Mitch Marsh can't make runs in the middle then they're three batters and you've mentioned them all and yeah. they have two bowlers of their frontline bowlers who were bowling terribly. And then they've got a fifth bowler who's done well but couldn't bowl out against Pakistan, for instance. Yeah. Um, They're not going to win this World Cup with three batters and two frontline bowlers, right? Cummins and Stark have to get better and someone in the middle outside of Maxwell has to start to make runs, whether it's Smith or Inglis or if they keep playing Labashane or Green or whoever it is, you can't win... That they're just not good enough to win the World Cup with five players against India, South Africa, and
1: New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, I think that's uh, sound logic. And uh, interesting with Smith and Manas, right? They got 50s versus the Netherlands, but they looked extremely poor versus New Zealand. And those conditions were pretty good for batting, right? So they should have gotten runs. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Smith at four, Manas at five, or either of those guys in the middle order, it just doesn't, you know sound great to me. What's your take on it? Especially now cuz heads back, he's going to mm. open and they're not yeah. going to drop Mitch Marsh at this point cuz he's gotten runs. Yeah, yeah, I
2: just don't see why you need Smith and Marnus. It's, mm. it's you have you've got insurance on your insurance at that point. Um yeah. and it may just be that they don't back Inglis enough. They think Inglis is a better option than Carey, but they just don't back him enough. And if that's the case, you know, I don't think they're gonna, I just don't think they're going to win the World Cup by having Two players whose job is to make runs slower than normal, um, and, and that's not to say that Smith won't have a good innings. I don't know if Manus can score at a run a ball at this right at the moment in these conditions, in the form he's in. Um, you know the Netherlands game, he was fine, um, but that you know it needs it needs a lesser attack for him to really get on top of against the best teams. I don't see the point, but they're they're invested in him.
1: Yeah, and you've got Cameron Green, you've got Stoinis, guys who can score quick, right? And Australia have been on that template now. You can tell by the way their openers are batting. So, I don't know, it might be worth a shot, especially once you've qualified for the semis, which I think they will. But, you know, you take that Pat Cummins cameo out of the previous game, the New Zealand game, in which he brought out his Knight Riders form, struck like, what, 30-odd of 14 deliveries. Take that out. And Australia lose that game,
2: right? Yeah, exactly. And... Cummins is so hit or miss with the bat. Like I, I know he can be fantastic, um, but he doesn't do it regularly. I mean, he you know, he needs the right kind of bowlers in the right kind of situation and, and you know, the, the pitch to be in his favor when he gets all that, it's actually very hard to bolt with. but it doesn't happen that often. And, um, you know, and then if, and that's what won them that game. Plus what, maybe at the end Nisham missed a couple of full tosses. Just I'm not saying he, he was the problem because he obviously almost pulled them over, but he missed a couple of full tosses that maybe another day Nisham hits and they lose. Right. Yeah, so yeah. um I found it I I I think so. We just did the power list. And I know you put your team in and you know, a few others put their team in. I think a lot most of the people on the power list had Australia like at second or third, mm. and I have fourth. And uh. the reason is I just don't think and like New Zealand lost their last two games, were more impressive to me, even in the loss to Australia than Australia were.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I think I had Australia at second, and that's only because I just don't trust South Africa chasing still. But we'll get to all that fun stuff. And before we actually go on a break, we've got some comments over here. Human clone is here. Ijaz Ali says that if Australia win another trophy, he's going to quit watching cricket. So that'll be interesting. And Path right winger. He has a super chat, but his question is below that. So, it's not the okay. actual super chat. So, you can click that. Right winger. Yeah.
2: Serious? he is. I think this is it. Is this, this is yeah. it?
1: Yeah. A question meant for the great cricketer, but you guys can answer. Sure. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll take this crap. Are fast bowlers like Wood and Freddie more soft hearted and kinder than medium fast peers, Curran and Ollie, due to Freudian reasons? Whoa. It's gone philosophical. Uh, or what no. did Freud do? No, Freud was kind of a.
2: Was no, was right? there are some medium pacers who are quite I mean I mean I don't know if, if he means the hold what well, you know short man syndrome so you mm. know there are a lot of medium fast bowlers who are very aggressive um uh because they're making up for the fact they're not particularly fast. Hughes would be the maybe the best example of that maybe he was more on the fringe of fast bowling um yeah. uh but didn't do it. But no there are plenty of evil fast bowlers um out mm. there and um I think it's just, it's individual p- p- personal um, uh, preference, right? Um, but yeah, uh, you know, maybe the, the great cricket is, I, I, I'm trying to think what, what Sam and Ian would say to that. But, um, you know, when it comes down to it, I don't think you're, like, I don't think Shahid, Shahid Afridi is the most extravagant person in the world, right? Mm. So the way he plays cricket doesn't necessarily replicate the way he lives life. But then Jonathan Trott, the way he played cricket, completely represented how he lives life. So, you know, how, you know, it's, it's a potential that the way you play cricket is not actually always a good representative of who you are. Um, in that, like, I don't think Adam Gilchrist is a, you know, a daredevil in real life. Um, and say, and say seems a little bit like a centrist dad, um, from his Twitter jokes, right? Although he doesn't, <laughs> he obviously doesn't write them, but anyway. So, you know, I, I don't think it's fair to say that that is, that is all altogether true. But thanks to the Super Chat.
1: Yeah, and uh, Pat Cummins
2: recently said that he likes to see a
1: bit of personality. And I don't think you'll find a lot of bowlers like Mark Wood who can bowl thunderbolts on the field and bark like a dog in the dressing room. But he's that guy. I know, I so. know a few bowlers who are dogs. <laughs> all right, then we'll be back shortly after this break. You're watching Uncovered with Baram and Jared. And yeah, stay tuned. Welcome back to episode 56 of the Uncovered Podcast. You're with Bheram and Jared. And uh, yeah, I'll just look at uh, the comment section real quick. Ritwik Gokale is here. And then Pratik Jha says hi. He's the good Pratik. The other Pratik is triggered by this flag. So if you're here, yeah, uh, enjoy the show. But anyway, time to discuss the Kiwis. Now, they lost to Thriller versus Australia, but they look mighty impressive in that chase. And Russian Ravindra, he scored a career defining 116. And I'd say that along with Gerald Kodzia, he would be the top breakout star of this World Cup. It's one hell of a feat to, you know, seem like an upgrade on Kane Williamson, right?
2: Yeah, I think Kotsira goes for a lot of runs, by the way. But that's a mm-hmm. that's a conversation for you and I another time. But um, mm-hmm. uh, no, I look, he's been fantastic. He said career-defining. He didn't have a, got the career before this. Right? He, his Did career you know? was at number six or seven. But he wasn't even always in the side. He wasn't even. Yeah. He hadn't even defined that yet, right? Um, Look, look, he's been absolutely fantastic. I want to look at a lot more of him before I decide that he's absolutely the real deal. But I like the way he plays spin. You know, his ability to uh, sweep. Um, He can use his feet quite well. uses the crease at times. I I think at at the moment, I think the best thing you can do against quick balls is handle the short ball.
0: Hmm.
2: He does that fantastically. I do think if you build a trench outside off stump um, and teams haven't done that enough to him, I'm a little bit interested to see how he might go against that. But he's been fantastic. And, you know, he's been so good with the bat that I haven't even moaned about his bowling. And I hate his Yeah,
1: bat. Yeah, yeah. I remember when you were covering the England versus New Zealand series, you were moaning about his bowling a lot. All and Athas has likened him to Brian Lara, right? Is That's that too line? much? They're very similar <laughs> bowlers.
2: <laughs> All right. Uh, um, I don't uh, think he's like Lara. Because, I mean, he's taller than Lara. He's got a slightly different, he certainly, Mm. I mean, Lara's main skill was he's about as quick on his feet against spin Mm -hmm. as anyone. And then I think he was more overtly attacking and had different gears than Ravindra. Um, I don't think Ravindra's going to be anything like Lara, but Mm. he's a left-hander. And as I said, the short short ball and multiple options against spin are the first things I look for in an international batter at the moment, and he's certainly got that. Yeah, and he's a
1: pretty flamboyant as well. Quite an aesthetically pleasing batter. Mm-hmm. And yeah, hundreds versus England and Australia. Big hundreds, so good wow, for him. But anyway, list. yeah, <laughs> at this point, <laughs> surely. Uh, Daryl Mitchell also looked good for his, for his 50. And then Jimmy Neesham, you know, he, mm-hmm. New Zealand's was nearly their man. He is that guy, right? And uh, I was surprised not to see a tweet because he was batting at 58. He looked like he's going to win them the game. Then, like you mentioned, he got what out on a full toss, which Mm. really shouldn't have happened. Or whether he missed a few full tosses, that's for sure. He might not have gotten out on a full toss. I kind of remember him. Didn't he get run out again? Wasn't it like the World Cup? It was. It was. He did get run out again. There you go. But you've got to feel for Jimmy. But at the same time, I feel like he's proven his worth over here because there's experience and he is a big hitter. And I'd probably at this
2: point take him over Chapman because
1: of the buffer overs.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, to be fair, Chapman, I'm not sure Chapman's much, at this stage, much worse bowler than Ravindra if they gave him the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they both bowled the same thing. So they, they're going to go with Ravindra, who's a bit quicker through the air. Um, Daryl Mitchell, James Nisham, Rachin Ravindra, Chapman. Rank those
1: bowlers. Uh,
2: Glenn Phillips. <laughs> um, of course,
1: Golden Arm Glenn. Uh, Three yes. wickets that game. So
2: yeah, I, I um, I just think that I think Chapman is an all round. Well, I should say I think Chapman is a better cricketer and mm. should have had a much better career than he has had so far, and might still have a huge breakout where suddenly everyone's like, "Is that the guy that was always in their squad, and never did anything?" Mm-hmm. Um, but I think right now, when they when they had Nisha back in the side, I just felt that that power was important. And maybe again, um, looking at the rest of their batting lineup, some of this is kind of depends on Glenn Phillips because he hasn't been batting particularly. He's been yeah. making runs, but s- way slower than I would expect him to make runs. Mm-hmm. If Glenn Phillips and- turns into Glenn Maxwell, which is what he can do, um, yeah. then Chapman, I'm okay with. But if Glenn Phillips can't get to that level, then it makes sense to have Nisham there. Yeah, and uh, I think
1: Phillips in the one score that he has was aided by Afghanistan's catching, so there's that bit as well. But I, I'm a big Glenn Phillips fan, so I want to see him play every game.
2: Anyway, we've got a couple of super- oh, I'm not saying again. drop Glenn Phillips. What I'm saying mm-hmm. is, like, if Glenn Phillips is going nuts the way he can go, then yeah. Chapman makes more sense um, rather than Nisham. Whereas if, if Phillips isn't getting... I Phillips should, could have a strike rate of 140. And it, just has, mm-hmm. it just hasn't worked for him in this World Cup. And if that's the case, then it makes more sense to have Nisham rather than Chapman.
1: Yeah, and if Ruchin continues to bat the way he's batting, uh, Daryl Mitchell, I trust, would strike rate for the most part, even though he caught some flack from Simon Dool and everything. You've got Nishim and Phillips and potentially Chapman. So, you know, things are not looking that bad for the Kiwis. But uh, let's take these super chats before we move on to, well, Pakistan's next. So yeah,
2: let's take these super chats. <laughs> oh, super chat. Sorry, that means I have to yeah. do something, doesn't it? And Now I yep. understand why you were saying that so aggressively mm. at me. Oh, uh, Pratik Jha sent a super chat?
1: Yes, no, he didn't. He did? Oh, he did. For Baram, in a Crick Info mag uh, article, a teammate said about Iftikhar that he can't bat, can't ball, can't field. This was during his first coming. What changed? Was the teammate being cruel? Seems like he's not liked much in the team even now. No, no, no. Iftikhar is uh, very much loved. Everyone thinks he's a pop culture icon. He's got this cult following at this point. I don't know if you've come across Mania, And I think he's an improved cricketer. Look, when I saw Iftikhar first, back when Misbah brought him in the test team in the 2016 Test series versus England, I pretty much thought the same. I was like, you know, he's a bits and pieces player to quote Sanjay Mandraker, but he's more than that now. He's the one guy in Pakistan's 11 who has big boy power. Doesn't seem like anyone else does. And uh, his bowling has been better than the other spinners. And I've always trusted him as a fielder. I think he's a good slip fielder and really good in the deep. So I don't know who this uh, former cricketer or teammate was, but he's got this wrong
2: for sure. Well, I mean, it depends on when that was though, because mm. to be honest, uh, I've said this before. I worked for his agent, and they were mm. trying to get him work. And it took—I could see that there was a really talented player in there from the data. But also, I'm going. How do I sell this guy? Right? Like he yeah. wasn't making any runs. He didn't bowl that often. Um, you know, he was weird. In the last two years, he's a completely different player. And you know, I think that is—I um, think that is—you know—very, very fair that that he's done uh, that he gets the credit that he should. Um, yeah, and he's certainly been absolutely fantastic um, of recent times, but he wasn't fantastic for a long period as well. Yeah, yeah, for um, sure. And I think, I think it's the
1: got... d Twenty uh, stuff that's really brought him into the limelight. Mm. Uh, Surit Guha says, "Have we peaked too early?" hashtag India. Um, I think India should win this, and uh, yeah, let's just hope they don't have that bad half hour of cricket or something, because
2: that's the only thing that can stop them. So uh, uh, the whole peak too early. So we get, I you know, get mm. asked this question a lot, I always mm. when I'm. Win. Mm. What do you, would you prefer your team was playing worse now? Yeah. Right. I mean, how do you, um, you know, we, I, I, I you know, as someone who just lived through, um, two championships for my, my teams, the Denver Nuggets and uh, Collingwood and, and the AFL, right? That I understand the the idea and I understand why people ask these questions, but it's like, actually, like when Denver started playing very poorly and even when Collingwood was, you know, getting into so many close games. I would rather have them been winning a lot easier. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, de- Nuggets have started this season, they're 3-0. They looks like they'll never lose another game at the moment. Much more confident with that, even though they are 79 games away from the playoffs than it would be if they were struggling. Right. And but it doesn't matter anyway, because you can't control form. Yeah. yeah. You can do little tweaks and maybe you can get people up at the right time and, you know, Olympic athletes and that sort of But ultimately, you cannot control form. So This is just something that people shouldn't worry about as much as they do. And I understand why they do. Yeah, that's fair. Question for both. If an umpire turns down an
1: LBW call, assuming an inside edge and it's sent upstairs where no edge is detected, but there's an umpire's call, should it still be considered an umpire's call? That's a fantastic question. But
2: uh, as things stand, yeah, I would say it should be. So if an umpire turns down an LBW, assuming an inside edge, and it's set upstairs where no edge is detected, but there's an umpire score, should it be considered an umpire score? Uh, is it... Uh, I'm very confused here because...
1: It, he it, might be alluding to the harris Ralph LBW versus Shamsi because I think the commentators were talking about how the umpire might have thought there's an inside edge, but that's just conjecture, right? The commentators aren't talking to the umpire. It could have He could have thought it's sliding down leg. So I don't know about that one.
2: I think that... Yeah, I mean, I think the, if the umpires pass on that message, um, that's fine. Um, I would have to look up the whole umpire cool thing, but I'm not yeah. really that worried about it in, in this particular hmm. case. Um, I think we yeah. got a couple more, actually.
1: Yeah, we got tons of super chats. You guys want us to go long today. <laughs> VK, India and Sunrise's Hyderabad fan over here. Really don't understand the hype around Glenn Phillips. Any stats, performance, you have to back your opinion on Glenn Phillips? Well... I'm going to go on rant over here. Man can bat, hit big. He can bowl, has a golden arm. He's a terrific fielder. He can keep wicket. Why would you not want to have a player like Glenn Phillips in your team? That's just too much for one person.
2: Uh, yeah, I don't think anyone should be... Um, uh, I don't think anyone should be looked down upon because of how they go for SRH because there are plenty of reasons why that <laughs> goes to shit. But um, he's he in uh, T20s, he's got a... a t- T20 at the Nationals got an average of 32 and a strike rate of 146, right? That's from uh, 63 T20 internationals. So if you're asking if I've got any stats, yeah. Look, I don't <laughs> think he's, what, 26. Mm-hmm. Uh, I first started watching him when he was about It must have been about 2021. He he is one of those next-level players. If if he goes on to have like a Heinrich Klassen breakout, I would not be surprised at all. Um his, his power, his striking ability, his footwork, the way he thinks about the game, it's huge. Now, he might not bring any of that together. There's a lot going on in his in his mind, but you have a look at him right across, um, you know, he averages over 40 in first-class cricket. Uh, I don't think he's as suited to one-day cricket in general, uh, but he's still going at 32 with a strike rate of 90. I think the biggest issue for him is he hasn't had a big tournament, include the IPL in that, but... He hasn't had a big World Cup, um, and I think that's an issue for him and may not be pressure. It just could be just dumb luck. But I promise you, if you see Glenn Phillips in, in full flight, you will understand why New Zealand keep picking him and everyone else. And if you think about Glenn Maxwell, players who play that way sometimes just take a little bit longer to develop anyway, um, and they do need more special care. And if you compare it to Mark Chapman, I think Mark Chapman's a very good cricketer and could go on to have – a you know a fine uh, career with New Zealand, but Mark Chapman's ceiling is nowhere near Glenn Phillips. Glenn Phillips' ceiling is rare air, right? If yeah. he gets it to work, it is a different level than most players can even dream of. Yeah, I think that's it for the super chats because uh, I believe there was one more, but
1: I think uh, Surit was more, just saying that he he loves the podcast. No, we did Surit.
2: I think yeah, we did, yeah. sure it. He had a- he it was- sent
1: us money twice, but his second message was just love for us so, so that's great. Oh, wow. We love you too, Surin. <laughs> and um, all things cinema podcast clarifies that he wasn't uh, referring to the Harris Rauf dismissal. So yeah, sorry about that. But I think we answered your question, and maybe we'll have uh, footmarks on umpire's call one day. You know, you never know. We might. Even I do think that.
2: I've already done an episode on mm. it in general. I think a lot of people are just mis- misunderstand what umpire's call is. Umpire's yeah. call exists because there is a lot of Uh, gray area around the prediction software and essentially Hawkeye are the ones who are very happy to have umpires call and they're Mm -hmm. the ones telling you that the technology is not that great when it comes to uh little changes so a perfect Mm -hmm. example was who who was given out in the was it Baba no was it a South African who was given out LBW Oh, Rossi
1: Rossi was given out which really did not look like LBW at all But it was two umpires calls.
2: Yeah, but was that the one where they put up the wrong decision then put up the right decision? Yeah, it was missing for like a fraction of a second and then they changed the thing. So the perfect explanation of this is that when they first put it in where they thought it hit his pad, they got it wrong. And that suggested it was missing. When they Hmm. updated that, it was hitting, right? That is why we have umpires call because we're actually saying, well, the umpires also have information here. Um, and we want to put those two things together, and it's a really good thing. But it's it's never been explained correctly by commentators. Most commentators don't understand DRS, right?
1: Yeah, and uh, I think Harbhajan Singh was uh, quite vocal, and a lot of people were saying even if it hits like a little bit of the wicket, it should be out. But then again, there's technological deficiencies over here. So exactly. So Hawkeye
2: would tell you that the reason that isn't the case is they are not that sure on their technology, right? Hmm. It's it's got a predictive element, and the and the cricket pads crumple. So yeah. it's actually hard to tell exactly where the ball hits. And so in that situation, if it hit there, it was missing. But if it hit there, it was, it was um, going on to hit the stumps. That's the difference, right? So anyway, who yeah. we got? Bangladesh. Let's do
1: Bangladesh. We got Bangladesh. Uh, you want to do them first? I've got Pakistan and South Africa as well.
2: Uh, Bangladesh. Um, I think they've been the worst team in this World Cup. Really yeah, disappointed I mean, with them. I thought they were fantastic in that first game. I would say they have one player at the moment who is in form, which is mamadullah and they're keeping yeah. him so far down the innings that it doesn't matter, right? <laughs> and I, I refuse to talk about a team who won't actually promote the guy who can bat ahead of all the other people who can't at the moment. So they're out. They're done. All right, who you got? Pakistan? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So uh, I don't know what to say about Pakistan. What well, I'll, I'll frame it for you, right?
1: Now, they played well in their last game, better than they have before. The bowling kind of came to the party. The Pacers got late wickets. They caught Pakistan back into the game. Sure. But Pakistan fell short by the barest of margins, as Ian Smith would put it, one wicket, right? Lots of heartbreaks. And first time ever, Pakistan's lost four World Cup games on the bounce, which I think is important. And I think one of the main reasons, at least in this loss, was that, look, Few of Pakistan's batters got starts. Saud and Baba got 50, Shadab got 40 odd. I think Rizwan got 31. And then Nawaz and Ifti got like 20s, something like that. None of those guys took it deep. None of those guys went big. Like Markram got 91 for South Africa. If One of those guys in Pakistan got that score. Pakistan could have potentially batted out 50 overs. And had they batted out 50 overs, they would have had 20,
2: 20, 30 some sort of runs more to play with. Could have won the game, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, they could have. I mean, they, I almost think any other team that South Africa would have played would have beaten them in that Mm. situation. But Pakistan's middle overs bowling is so pathetic that they couldn't actually continue to chip away. Mm. A One decent spinner wins that game, right? And I don't mean like Zampa or Santner would be great, but Aaron Dutt might have won that game, right? Aaron
1: Dutt is better than all spinners in Pakistan right now.
2: Do you know what I mean? Adil Rashid Mm. would have won that game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, maybe Moen might have been more handy in that situation. Yeah, right. Who knows he probably could get one to rip properly, and at least economy-wise, he would. He might have yeah. kept it quiet. So, um, mm-hmm. look, they're, they're not good. I don't. It's really interesting to see if if they if they can't bat in a free way that allows them to outscore teams, they have to then actually find people who can take wickets for them again in those middle overs. You could argue, and I wouldn't throw away those, these three bowlers, but mm. you could argue that as it currently stands, there's no way you can come to another tournament with Rizwan and Shadab together. And mm-hmm. Usama is not ready for international cricket at this level at the moment. He's not accurate enough. Um, but he, but all three of them are good cricketers and, you know, it's okay to, they're playing shit at the moment. And so, you know, maybe you have to look at other options, but none of them are duds, right? And Shadab, yeah. if Shadab gets his hips fixed, and we saw <laughs> what he, what he could do with the bat. You know, mm. perhaps the best the best version of Shadab is getting concussion after he's made runs <laughs> and letting Osama Mir ball. Yeah, yeah, I think Osama Mir actually did well
1: compared to his previous performances. And you said Rizwan, you met Nawaz, and you always mess oh up Nawaz's Oh my god, name. I hate those yeah. two
2: people. You've you've oh, done this like
1: five different times. It's become me,
2: my but... new fucking Chris Lynn. Yeah, and um, Cameron Green <laughs> thing. I don't know yeah. how these things get into my brain backwards. Oh, it fucking does my head in anyway. Yeah, yes, there's more stuff
1: right. that's happened off the field. Actually, I don't know if you've got any of this, but the PCB issued a press release to support Pakistan team because they still have four matches to go, and then they said that. Oh, by the way. We're going to assess the team's performance afterwards and uh, yeah, we'll take a decision in the best interest of Pakistan cricket. Then we find out after they've thrown the captain and the uh, management under the bus, we find out that they haven't paid the players for four months and uh, now Inzamam has resigned. So everything's capitulating in Pakistan cricket. Also,
2: they did that stupid thing that teams always do where they're like, we're going to go and talk to a bunch of older players and they'll be able to Mm. help us sort it out. If they could have sorted it out, you would have hired them in the first place. What are you talking about? I right. hate yeah. when they do that. Anyway, well, oh, South Africa. This, uh, what's your South Africa one? Well, Anayo Samuel says
1: I stayed up late to see Jared's analysis of Bangladesh and he just finishes it in 20 seconds. Um yeah. I'll extend it the, a bit for
2: you. Don't look I'll at the power list as well, because I didn't yeah. say much more about them. I'm really pissed I, off with Bangladesh, because what am I supposed to analyze? Everyone's yeah. playing shit.
1: I mean, barring Mahmudullah, who now has three World Cup hundreds, there's He's nothing fantastic. home to nothing to write about. And also, Shakib left mid tournament to go meet his mentor. Back to Dhaka? That was also weird. I, I don't I He's mean, Captain. I, I, it's ridiculous. The whole thing is ridiculous. Yeah, I don't see them making it to the Champions Trophy. That's for sure. All right, let's take the Super Chat and then let's go to South Africa. Or will Tutenbacher? love that name? We should have just let team staff look at replays and decide whether to use DRS or not also saves time. Would not it sure save time,
2: though? Because mm. I think, I don't think it would actually save time. Um, because it's, it's, it's hard to explain, but essentially, certain grounds have uh, a five-second delay feed that the players see. Uh, in that situation, they'd at least be able to look up quickly. But if not, someone would actually have to replay it for the the, the players and it wouldn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Also, it's just, I don't know, I think part of the skill of it, go back to England when they were really good at it, is they had a really good system in place and they understood it. And you look at, so, I can't remember, there was a team I was watching the other day and I was like, they're just going to review this because they want to review it. Like, there's no thinking here or anything like that. They deserve to be penalized. Yeah. All right, South Africa. Quickly then. Um, Two wins out of two this week. Uh, Thriller
1: versus Pakistan, which they'll have really enjoyed winning because they were chasing. 300s in this World Cup for Quinton de Kock. I'm calling him Tripton de Kock and then Quadrant de Kock till he becomes Quinton de Kock in this World Cup. That would be like a great evolution. And then, uh, I don't know, Classen got a 90-odd of 49 balls versus Bangladesh. Uh, Markram has been amazing this tournament right he uh, scored that fastest 100 before Maxwell broke it then he got what 60 odd versus Bangladesh and a very important 91 versus Pakistan you've got Janssen you know priceless batting at number seven and also new ball bowling getting like heaps of bounce and Mm. Pakistan was certainly troubled by that and then I know that we have to have a chat about Gerald Kodzia but I think that he's been phenomenal and both him and Janssen If I were to make a mid-tournament team of the tournament, and I know we were talking about this in our uh, work chat as well, I'd have both those guys, right? Because I think they've been mad impressive. And when I look at South Africa, you know, they even got David Miller, by the way. Great middle order, great top six. When I look at the Proteas, I think that this is probably the only team right now who could give India a proper run for their money. If they bat first. Yeah, if they bat first, of course.
2: If If they they bat first, they could give India a run for their money. If they bat second, they could give England a run for their money. Yeah, basically, uh, or lose to the Netherlands. I thought, I thought, honestly, I thought they were pathetic against Pakistan, um, and I was actually annoyed that they won that game because I think mm. I, I thought if they lost that game, they just have to admit that this is a thing and actually deal with it. They were pathetic against Bangladesh for not fucking chasing. They mm. should have just been like, "We're not going." There's no point making the semi-finals and then hope everything comes together, right? <laughs> you yeah. actually need to be in a position where you are ready to go, and against Bangladesh. It would have been perfect for them to go, let's just chase. Let's see what we can mm-hmm. restrict them to and then do it. And then against Pakistan would have been worked out perfect. It would have meant they had two two or three chases in a row, I think it would have been at that point, right? Yeah. And at that stage, i would have to be like, well, we know what we're doing now, one way or another. And Temba Bavuma comes up after the Pakistan game and goes, yeah, we don't really know what we're doing in chases. Hmm. You had four years. <laughs> you had... 14 years to work this problem out. Well, to be fair, Temba
1: did say that he was disappointed that South Africa won't get to play the World Cup qualifiers because that would have given them good back practice. So I'm not going to hold this against him, right? He's, he's but uh, yeah, either. the chasing definitely seems to be a problem. Um, the bowling attack looks good to me. You bring in Rabada into this, right? Janssen, mm-hmm. Rabada, new ball. And then you've got Kodzia for the middle overs, who really, I think he's filled in for Nokia really, really well. And then also, how do you drop Shamsi now? Four wickets, Right. And it is India. You do play spinners over here. So would you
2: perhaps go with both him and Maharaj along with those three guys and drop Ngidi? ngidi has been really good. It's, it's funny. Mm. I looked at the numbers of the middle overs the other day and I'm not sure Ngidi hasn't been better than Kotsia. He hasn't taken mm. the wickets, but he's going at a really good economy and taking a couple of wickets. Kotsia is getting hammered, but taking lots of wickets. Um, yeah. I think Ngidi is more... With, with Rabada back in the side, I don't think Kotsir is as important if that hmm. makes sense. Um, just because of the things that Rabada does very, very well that overlap a little bit more with Concierge. But he's been taking masses of wickets, so maybe you just go with that. Um, so am I, I hearing prob- that you will play Shamsi? Well, I think for me, I, I would just you, but I would just look at the pitch and decide based on the pitch, right? Hmm. And I, I think that's the best way forward for them. If they think yeah. there's going to be anything in it for the, the spinners, bring Shamsi in and then you're doing great. And if not, you can go all in with the pace bowling if you want to. They're in a great position from that, uh, you know, uh, situation. First innings, I have no problem with them. Mm. Second innings, I had, you know, um, up, you know, they're basically England <laughs> or Bangladesh. <laughs> yeah, no, I cannot disagree based on what we've seen. And yeah,
1: I would play Shamsi too. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how their bowling attack fares. And I think Baba Rav Apte says, Baram, did you see the celebration after the win? I did. And I saw this tweet which said that, oh, Lumi Gidi's son. Is so happy with that win. So I thought I thought that was really funny. And also, um, there was this other thing. Yeah, someone asked in the comments what I think of Gerald Codzia's celebration. No problems at all. I love that. I love the fire in his belly. I think it's really, really fun to watch. But yes, anyway, I cool think... Part. Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, that probably sums up this episode of Uncovered. Thank you to everyone in the comment section and for all your super chats. It really helps us. Also, subscribe to this channel and Jared's other channel in which you want probably more detailed analysis on specific things you can you can watch jared glow in all different colors right now if you're actually not listening in and on youtube but uh, yeah thanks to everyone for joining us we'll come back next week with episode 57 of the uncovered podcast that's it from beram and jared today goodbye
2: thanks for listening this podcast has an ad-free version via patreon where there are many other extras as well including a discord channel There's a link to those in the show notes. Please review, subscribe, and tell all your friends about our show. Word of mouth is the best way of making our podcast grow. If we had a guest on, chances are their socials are in the show notes. Please support everyone who comes on this show. I am Jared Kimber, and this is my network. But we also have hosts and co-hosts like Barat Sundaresan and Bayram Kazi. This network is overseen by Nick McCorriston. Each episode is produced by Ishit Kuberka at Sound Potion Studio. The team for 42 help us out with the video side. Orijoti Saina Paye and Maida Akam, both producing podcasts, while Makunda Bandredi is the head of our YouTube content. Do you make content but don't want to listen to yourself talk? Well, I get that. Memento FM's AI does all the listening for you. It picks out the highlights and it makes you sound far more amazing than you really are. Embrace Memento FM today.